Now, I've spent a um, decent amount of my time here in Congress sitting through panels and hearings of men attempting to restrict the rights of women and telling us that it's for our own good. I think not. I had to focus on the late jazz musician band leader of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, Billy Tipton, and a group of musicians from the Northwest named the Tipton's Sax Quartet. Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappell. Eurocourt slams Poland's denial of queer couple rights, Ocasio-Cortez battles congressional transphobia, and building a jazz legacy with Billy Tipton and the Tipton Sax Quartet. Those stories and more this week now that you've chosen This Way Out. I'm Marcos Najera. And I'm Melanie Keller. With Newswrap. A summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending December 16th, 2023. Poland's refusal to legally recognize lesbian and gay couples violates the European Convention on Human Rights, according to the European Court of Human Rights. Its December 12th decision sided with five plaintiff queer couples who were denied the right to register their unions with Polish authorities. The court concluded that the refusal resulted in the applicant's inability to regulate fundamental aspects of their lives and amounted to a breach of their right to respect for their private and family life. The Polish government has butted heads with the European Court of Human Rights before. The far-right, rabidly anti-queer Law and Justice Party has governed Poland from 2014 until this month. Their officials criticized or simply ignored similar Eurocourt human rights rulings. However, law and justice lost its parliamentary majority in recent national elections to the centrist Civic Coalition Party. New Prime Minister Donald Tusk was sworn in on December 13th. He vowed during the campaign to grant some form of legal recognition to same-gender couples. Tusk's new cabinet includes a newly created Ministry for Equality with progressive politician Katarzyna Kotula as its head. She called it a good day on the social media platform everyone but Elon Musk knows as Twitter. The time of discrimination is coming to an end. We know that we are all different, but we are equal. We will ensure equality for all. Only 41% of respondents to a new study by the Pew Research Center support full marriage equality in the heavily Roman Catholic country. That's why the Tusk government is likely to propose some form of less-than-equal civil unions, which would still be light years ahead of the Law and Justice Party's oppressive nine-year reign. Solid resistance to any form of legal recognition for queer couples continues to come from the now-opposition Law and Justice Party and other right-leaning MPs. President Andre Duda remains as a law and justice holdover, and he could veto any civil unions legislation the parliament passes. There's also the chance of a national referendum for Polish voters, but queer Poles and their allies now have reason for optimism. The United States Supreme Court has rejected an appeal to review legislation in Washington that bans conversion therapy for minors. By implication, the ruling covers similar bans in nearly two dozen other states. The vote was six to three, 
Farthest right justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito wrote strong dissenting opinions, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh also voted to hear the case. Family counselor and conversion therapist Brian Tingley claims that the ban in Washington state violates his rights to freedom of speech and free exercise of religion. The practice of changing sexual orientation or gender identity through a combination of counseling and prayer has been widely discredited. Tingley was represented by the Christian nationalist legal group Alliance Defending Freedom. However, the Supreme Court let stand rulings by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. In 2014, it first found California's conversion therapy ban to be within the state's authority to regulate medical practices. The same appeals court upheld a similar ban in Washington last year. That ruling said, States do not lose the power to regulate the safety of medical treatments performed under the authority of a state license merely because those treatments are implemented through speech rather than through scalpel. LGBTQ advocacy groups celebrated the high court win, although it could have been a more affirmative ruling. A statement from Equal Rights Washington noted, The Constitution does not require Washington to endorse treatment methodology that Washington believes to be ineffective and unsafe. A proposed conversion therapy ban in the Australian state of Tasmania is getting a thumbs down from activists. The state's Law Reform Institute urged the government to outlaw the practice last year. However, Equality Tasmania spokesperson Rodney Croom led a chorus of equality advocates to criticize what they call giant loopholes in the proposed bill. Croom believes that those loopholes will allow conversion practitioners to crawl through so they can continue to inflict their cruel and discredited therapies. He quipped, This is the kind of bill an anti-LGBTIQA group like the Australian Christian Lobby would draft. The Australian Capital Territory and the states of Queensland and Victoria have similar conversion therapy bans. However, the Tasmanian version has no real enforcement mechanism. Offenders don't have to worry about paying fines, serving jail time, or losing their licenses to practice, even if they're found guilty in civil court. In Croom's words, it was really disappointing that after so much heartfelt advocacy by survivors, so much groundbreaking research, and so many well-developed recommendations from the Tasmanian Law Reform Institute, the government has come up with such useless legislation. The bill will allow conversion practices to continue, both in health and religious settings, under the guise of ill-defined terms like support, assistance, care, and guidance. It will also allow conversion practices if there is consent, despite the fact that it is impossible to consent to a treatment that doesn't work for a condition that doesn't exist. Croom's organization is redoubling its efforts while public consultation is open. He vowed, We will use the current consultation period to urge the government to scrap this bill. Listen to the experts and the survivors and draft something that will do the job. Public consultation on the bill closes on February 16th. Argentina's newly inaugurated President Javier Millet is pulling the plug on the Women, Gender, and Diversity Ministry. The far-right and highly controversial Millet defeated Economy Minister Sergio Massa in the runoff presidential election on November 20th. Millet was sworn in on December 10th. Often campaigning with a chainsaw, 
Malay vowed to make severe cuts to useless or harmful government agencies. Rights advocates worry that the dismantling of the Women, Gender, and Diversity Ministry in particular will stall any advances in LGBTQ equality during Malay's tenure. The total number of the ministries is to be reduced from 18 to 10. Climate change denier Malay also eliminated the Ministry of the Environment and Sustainable Development, the Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Social Development. He's threatening government regulation of public health and welfare programs with his chainsaw, and he calls public education the Ministry of Indoctrination. Malay has also called for an end to sex education in public schools. He claims to get political guidance from his living and deceased dogs. The Russian Supreme Court's extremist declaration against the so-called international LGBT rights movement continues to have consequences. Police in Yakinterenburg raided the popular queer fame club and karaoke bar on December 9th, ostensibly looking for illicit drugs. A local news outlet in the country's fourth largest city posted video of heavily armed riot police storming the dance club. About two dozen patrons were shocked when the music abruptly stopped and the lights went on in the dimly lit bar. Police can be heard shouting orders to the staff and customers to file out of the building. Patrons were forced to surrender their personal documents for review. Within hours of the announcement of the high court extremist designation a couple of weeks ago, riot police began invading Moscow's popular LGBTQ venues, also allegedly looking for drugs. The widening reins are seen as an extension of President Vladimir Putin's all-out war against LGBTQ advocacy and activists. It's a convenient scapegoat to distract Russians from the disastrous war in Ukraine. Finally... Putin's desire to disappear the queer has reached a level of absurdity. The Russian movie database Kinopoisk has changed its rating for the popular children's animated series My Little Pony to adult audiences. Kinopoisk has given no explanation for its ratings change issued within days of the Supreme Court's extremist ruling. The globally syndicated show based on the Hasbro toy line has charmed young girls for years, but there's speculation that My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is being censored in Russia now because the character Rainbow Dash has an LGBTQ-like rainbow-colored tail and mane. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending December 16th, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy. And I'm Marco Snajera. Stay safe. This just in. Roman Catholic priests are now allowed to bless same-gender couples. This according to a Vatican document approved by Pope Francis on December 18th. The blessings cannot be part of a formal marriage-like ritual or performed in connection with a civil union. While the Vatican still holds that marriage is between one man and one woman, the new pronouncement claims that people seeking God's love and mercy should not be subjected to an exhaustive moral analysis. 
It's a mixed blessing to both marriage equality advocates and opponents. One side criticizes the second-class status given to queer relationships. The other side warns that any recognition of same-gender couples will lead to church schism. We'll be anxious to cover further developments on this story when Newswrap returns in early January. While Republican-controlled U.S. state legislatures are pressing to keep trans minors off of school sports teams, the Biden administration is proposing rule changes to include gender identity in the federal definition of sex discrimination. A House Oversight Subcommittee held hearings on the changes on December 5th, and this exchange has gone viral. Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York exposed the Republicans' gender hypocrisy as she questioned Fatima Goss Graves, president and CEO of the National Women's Law Center. You know, I've spent a um, decent amount of my time here in Congress sitting through panels and hearings of men attempting to restrict the rights of women and telling us that it's for our own good. Um, but I want to dive a little bit more deeply into why this issue with targeting trans women in sports is particularly problematic, not just for trans girls, but for all of us. We're here today because there's a proposal here and there are several proposals here uh, to further marginalize trans women in sports. And I think about this all the time because trans people in the United States doesn't even exceed 1% of our population. And yet there's so many resources and energy and time dedicated to figuring out how we can more finely exclude them um, from our sports. And I thought, why, why, why so much effort and dedication on such a tiny portion of the US population when there virtually is no major issue that is, um, that is precipitating? and started to realize that a lot of these proposals here um, involve invasion of privacy of all women. Ms. Goss Graves, can you tell us a little bit about what sex testing looks like for youth in states with trans athletic bans? It's terrible. Uh, in some states, any individual could challenge whether someone is a girl enough to play. In some states, it requires actual a genital verification, which is shocking. Mm -hmm. um, and there aren't, it's not as if there... Oh. And let me just stop you right there. You said there are some proposals. I mean, we've seen this in Ohio. There was a proposed ban on trans athletes that originally allowed for genital examinations on minors in order to quote unquote protect women, is that correct? Unfortunately, yes. And so we're seeing here in this guise, under the guise of not only trying to further marginalize trans women and girls, we are talking about opening up all women and girls to genital examinations when they are under age. That's right. Potentially just because someone can point to someone and say, I don't think you're a girl. That's correct. And we're saying this in an environment of a post-Dobbs America 
where states are criminalizing access to abortion and want nothing more than data on women to figure out when, who's getting a menstrual cycle, who doesn't have one. And we're supposed to believe that this is gonna make us better and safer? I think not. And per usual, I don't believe we're sitting here in a panel of men that has actually thought of, about the biology and privacy consequences of all women, trans or cisgender here. Ms. Gosgraves, in addition to that, are there certain groups more likely to face discrimination under these bans when well, it comes to, and what, and what you were speaking to, particularly when it comes to black women and girls? Yeah, we, we have seen that there are examples of uh, black women who are even professional athletes whose bodies have been more examined and demonized. We've seen that with my fan favorite, Serena Williams, whose body is often mm -hmm. talked about. Um, that's sort of challenging them for who they are. Uh, if it is codified into law, mm. is something that we would expect to see more. And, and this also deeply intersects with a secondary issue, which is racial bias in the medical field. When we have vast proportions of populations that have been studied and tested are not right racially or otherwise identity-based representative of the broader U.S. population. And so what gets determined as a norm oftentimes gets pegged to largely white populations that have been studied, and then black women and girls are then further subject to, to um, marginalization. This, this has been in your experience and what you've seen as well, right? That's correct. And so we're supposed to sit here on this side of the dais and to the ranking member, to ranking member Lee's point, see a, a party that has voted against women's access to abortion, voted against our right, the Lilly Ledbetter Equal Pay Act, voted against the Violence Against Women Act, voted against our right to have access to contraception, and also doesn't even vote for equal funding, equitable funding in women's sports. And I'm supposed to believe that this is who's looking out for my best interests? I think not. And to that, I yield back. That was U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez questioning National Women's Law Center President and CEO Fatima Goss-Graves during a House subcommittee hearing. You see, it's all clear. You are meant to be here. Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank, Thank you. you.
timeless music of a jazz great and the modern reincarnation of the legend took This Way Out Steve Sims on a deep dive into history and harmony. As I set out to do research for this segment, I found myself in a quagmire of current events, from white male privilege and living your truth to non-binary gender issues and authenticity. I had to step back and focus on the music, specifically the late jazz musician band leader of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, Billy Tipton, and a group of musicians from the Northwest named the Tipton's Sax Quartet. That was Get Dirty, Do It Now, from the Tipton's Sax Quartet's 2017 album, Cookbook. Billy Tipton was born Dorothy Lucille Tipton on December 29, 1914, in Oklahoma City. The Tipton Sax Quartet were born the Billy Tipton Memorial Saxophone Quartet in 1988 in Seattle. With a few exceptions in the 30s and 40s, jazz was a man's world. There was an unwritten code in the jazz world that women just didn't get hired. Whether it was simply a matter of sexual choice or to get work in jazz, William Lee Tipton began to more actively work to pass as a male by binding his breasts and patting his pants. At first, he only presented as male in performance, but by 1940 was living as a man in private life as well and lived the life of a man until January 21, 1989 and the post-mortem revelation that he was biologically female. This is the Billy Tipton Trio with the song The Man I Love off the 1957 album Sweet Georgia Brown. Billy's image was one of a gentleman, a heterosexual male, with everything that that implied in 1940s America. In 1958, Tipton had a chance to break into the big time when the group was offered a recording contract and a gig opening for Liberace in Reno, Nevada, at more than double its usual fee. But Tipton said no, perhaps for fear that it might expose Billy's bold solution to gaining a certain amount of recognition in what was largely a man's world. John Otto was one of the Tipton Sax Quartet's founding members in 1988, and at that time was known as Babs Helly. He also coined the group's original name, the Billy Tipton Memorial Saxophone Quartet. He left the group in 1990, and more currently, has done work as a transgender activist. This is Impish, off the Tipton's 2010 album, Strange Flower. Amy Daniel is an original member of the Billy Tipton Memorial Saxophone Quartet, dating from the band's very first rehearsal at her house in the fall of 1988. She was with them until 1996, and then took a hiatus. This is Recipe for Disaster, off the Tipton's We Love to Meet Again live album from 2016. In 2002, Amy and Jessica Lurie, another original member, reformed the band, now renamed the Tipton's Sax Quartet. The fourth founding member was Marjorie DeMunch. Marjorie, who had a master's in music from Boston University, passed away in 2011 at the age of 58. 
This is Drive from the 2005 album by the same title. One of the things I really enjoy about the Tipton Sax Quartet are the names of their songs, and they've recorded eight albums. This song from 1996 is called Disgruntled Postal Worker. This is the Billy Tipton Trio in 1957 with Sweet Georgia Brown. As a kid, I had the honor to know Billy Tipton. He was my neighbor, and his adopted sons and I went to school and were in scouts together. Billy Tipton was named by Time Magazine as one of 21 transgender people who influenced American culture. For This Way Out, I'm Steve Sims. Finally this week... Believe it or not. You heard it here last, but let the late show's Stephen Colbert help you let it sink in. The people, my people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. You know, when they let, I think the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country, when they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, that lie and steal and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible. They'll do anything, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Our threat is from within. If that rings a totalitarian bell, it's because, as one historian pointed out, calling people vermin was used effectively by Hitler and Mussolini. So he's plagiarizing those guys. (laughs) It's going to be so awkward when he runs into them in hell. We've been waging an all-out war in American democracy. I love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by Marcos Nahara and Melanie Keller and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our correspondent was Steve Sims. You heard music from A Chorus Line and by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, the Therapy Sisters, Leah Deleria, Billy Tipton, the Tipton Sats Quartet, and Dusty Springfield. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. 
This way out thanks Margaret Roberts and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Ask us about how you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappell. Happy whatever you're having, and thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or anywhere you get your podcasts, and on Gay SA Radio, Pretoria, South Africa, WERU, Bangor, Maine, WHOI, Ames, Iowa, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.